0: Welcome to the second episode of Taiwan Security Review. I'm Alex Gray, and I will be your host today. For our guest, we're going to have the President of the Republic of Palau, Sir Angel Whips Jr. President Whips has emerged as one of a new generation of Pacific Island leaders, very much aligned with the free and open Indo Pacific concept. He's emerged as a frequent critic of China's encroachment into the sovereignty of uh, Pacific Island countries. He's been a vocal supporter of Taiwan, even leading a visit there uh, earlier this year, along with uh, the U.S. Ambassador to Palau. President Whips has also taken a key role on issues like the Pacific Islands Forum and what the PIF is going to look like in the years ahead, which ties directly into broader questions of regional stability and the role of both the U.S. and Taiwan in the Pacific Islands uh, in the years ahead. Mr. President, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: First of all, it was great meeting you and um, having this opportunity to speak to you about issues in Palau.
0: Well, sir, I, I want to start off with uh, a question about your recent visit to Taiwan. And it was, uh, it was a historic visit. It was um, incredibly significant for a number of reasons, Uh, one of which was that you chose to have the U.S. ambassador to Palau, John Hennessey Nyland, accompany you uh, to Taipei. And so I wanted to ask you first, um, tell us a little bit more about the visit itself, why you chose to to do that when you did, and what was your, your thought process for bringing Ambassador Hennessey Nyland with you?
1: Well, you know, it was uh, Palau had basically been shut down just like every other country because of COVID, and um, you know, the uh, partnership between Palau and the United States and Taiwan was, I think, in full, full um, uh, display in how we uh, were battling the pandemic and how we got prepared. And, 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 and just uh, being able to get the vaccines here uh, allowed us uh, to be able to go to Taiwan in the first place and introduce the idea of having a bubble between Palau and Taiwan. And, uh, you know, that just strong demonstration of partnership and how we work together to make it happen. I thought it would be a great opportunity uh, for the U.S. ambassador to join me on the trip uh, along with. Uh, uh the Taiwanese ambassador from Palau uh also going with us. So it was uh it was just uh, I think a great opportunity to demonstrate partnership and uh uh show that uh how uh through partnership uh we have even though in COVID and all these challenges we have we have some successes and we should celebrate those successes and see how we can uh do better. And uh the the idea was well, how do we get more Taiwanese to visit Palau? As you know, we're a, uh, an economy that depends on tourism. Uh, 30% of our workforce has been laid off because of the downturn in, uh, uh, well, basically uh, the elimination of tourism in Palau. So it was really important for us to be able to go and, and, and you know, as friends, demonstrate the partnership. So.
0: Well, and I know that the relationship between taiwan and palau is is many faceted and there there are many different ways including vaccines and in tourism and and other areas uh, in which you collaborate with with taiwan i wonder if you could talk a little bit more about uh just the the relationship with taiwan more generally and how you how you see it um, going forward and, and what some of the challenges and opportunities are for Palau and, and Taiwan working together.
1: Well, these are questions I also got from Taiwanese media when we visited Taiwan uh, about uh, uh, our relationship and and how important it is. I think it's, 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 from, from a Palau standpoint, I think the Palau people you know, we share the same values, Palau and Taiwan. We share the values of freedom and democracy. We've had a long relationship. And uh, I mean, it's been a fruitful relationship in trying to build up uh, our economy and really help us uh, in the development process. Uh, but as you know, we're a tourism economy. And I think one of the things that I wanted to also encourage Taiwanese visitors to come and visit Palau is we've had challenges. Uh, there was a point uh, in about 2015 that we were uh, with record-breaking numbers of tourists, but they are coming from, uh, through Macau and Hong Kong, from China. Uh, and because of our relationship with um, Taiwan, uh, suddenly, uh, those tourists were shut off. Uh, marketing in China stopped. Nothing can be... And, it was it was hard for us because you know we got used to the tourism and all that boost to the economy and then suddenly it just switched off because of our relationship with uh, taiwan and our you know the position of Palau has always been we have no enemies we want to be everybody's friend and uh, uh especially and so you know with those challenges i think it's important as allies and partners that we try to help each other and tourism and and we are hoping that that's, you know, the beginning of the bubble. And uh, I was just in a dinner tonight uh, celebrating the re- restart of the bubble again to bring Taiwanese tourists to come to Palau. Supposedly there's 5,000 that are ready to come already. So uh, it's just important that uh, not only uh, do we uh, uh, look at their helping in health or agriculture or those other things, but also be building up our economy and making it stronger. And it's important to develop partnerships in tourism and other business areas to help diversify our economy and and make us stronger because there are threats uh, to our security and our way of life. And, and we we want to you know we want to be friends with people that share the same values that we do. And we want to encourage them to invest in Palau. We want to partner with them, and we want to uh, to feel that Palau is the place. Uh, that they can come and invest, and and you know, we can have a we can have a growing and, and a
0: relationship that where we all win. Well, that you make an important point, Mr. President, about shared values and and affinity, and also about some of the challenges that that uh, many countries who have recogni- recognized recognized uh, Taiwan diplomatically have faced from China. Um, I know you're very familiar with what happened in the Solomon Islands and what happened in Kiribati. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the the pressure um, both on the tourism side and and in other ways that has been exerted against Palau um, for being a strong ally of Taiwan. And I just wonder if you could tell our our listeners a little more about what it means as the leader of a country in real terms uh, to maintain that recognition in the face of, of Beijing.
1: Yeah, you know, we've had uh, multiple discussions with uh, Beijing's representative in in Pei, which is in the Federated States of Micronesia, and, um, of course, he's always uh, told us that uh, uh, join us and the sky is the limit. Uh, Stop recognizing Taiwan. It's illegal what you're doing. I said, well, you know, (laughs) we... We uh, don't do that. We believe that we should be uh, honorable, and we have a long relationship with the people uh, with uh, the people of Taiwan, and we want to continue that. And uh, nobody should really tell us who our friend should be. Uh, if you want to be our friend, be our friend. But not tell me that I want to be your friend, and you can't be that person's friend. Uh, and uh, that was. Uh, uh, our response to Beijing, they're not happy about it, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have to uh, uh, stand by our friends and, and work with them. And, uh, and uh, you know, we're a small country. We don't want to have anybody as enemies. I don't think we look at people as enemies, but we, we should share the same values of freedom and, and democracy, and, and that's important to us.
0: Absolutely. Well, switching a little bit more to, to the, the broader relationship between Palau and, and the region, uh, when you first were taking office, you took a very strong position uh, regarding uh, illegal fishing activities that, uh, that China was, was engaging in uh, in Palau's waters and led to uh, the detention of several several vessels. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that challenge, what it means for the people of Palau and, and what sort of support Palau needs to, to protect its uh, its territorial integrity from, from things like illegal fishing.
1: Yeah, so we have uh, some islands that are very far from us. They're about 360 miles from our capital. And uh, back in December, before I took office, um, there was a, a Chinese fishing boat there trying to bribe the rangers and to poach. Uh, fortunately, with the help of the U.S. Coast Guard and our our patrol boat, we were able to apprehend them, uh, bring them back to Koror, our capital. And uh, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID and all uh, that we were faced with, we were trying to work with the embassy in China, I mean, in Pond for China to, you know, deal with these people, this illegal fishing, the response was, oh, we don't, you know, they're on their own, you know, just kind of uh, they didn't care what they were doing or the fact that they were really poaching, and, you know, that that's just a further demonstration of the mentality or the thought that, you know, if you don't respect boundaries or borders and, and more reason why we need to partner and, you in, in keeping IUU and, and these kinds of activities out of Palau. We're fortunate to be partnering with uh, Australia, Japan, and Taiwan, and of course the United States on, on patrolling our EEZ, which is, alone we could not take care of it. It's too big. and uh, But uh, we're starting to see it frequent. It, uh, this is now the second one that's gone to that reef in about uh, one came a year before. So we know that The activity is becoming more frequent, and uh, it is concerning to us, and uh, it's important that uh, we work with our partners to make sure that uh, those boundaries are respected and our territory, or waters are respected, and our, our EEZ is respected. So...
0: Well, in addition to to IUU, you know, Palau and and other Pacific Island countries are are dealing with a variety of non-traditional security challenges from uh, counter-trafficking to the threat of climate change. And I I wonder uh, what thought uh, you've given to the ways in which the United States and Taiwan, or the Uni- or Palau, and Taiwan, and Palau, and the United States, and, and different combinations of partners can can work with your country on those non traditional security challenges?
1: Um, for uh, actually this week, there was just a, a, a partnership meeting that uh, happened in Palau, and it, and it had to do with the issues that we're facing with climate change. Uh, because in the past, we didn't get Typhoons very often uh, they were rare. Now, in the past ten years, we've had three. And the last one that just came through destroyed twenty percent of our caused damage to twenty percent of our homes here in Palau. So, really uh, preparing for disasters uh, and then uh, and then uh, how to cope afterwards is a big challenge that we haven't. You know, one of the things I shared at the conference was our hospitals by the water. Uh, and we should have built it up on the hill, which we have hills here. But we had built it by the water, nice ocean view. But during the typhoon, I was there because I was concerned that if the if the uh, wind moved uh, 30 degrees north, it would be a direct hit with the waves, and we would have had our first floor wiped out of the hospital. You know. So, though I was talking to the uh, uh, um, team from Indopecom, and they were saying. Well, there's a mercy ship in San Diego. It would take 14 days to get here. But then our friends in Taiwan said, well, we have a hospital ship that can be in Palau in 40. So, you know, it's, it's having that partnership, but then, to you know, take care of, if it does happen in the near future, but then also plan for the future and make sure that we build up and, and build back better and make sure that we've got uh, resilient infrastructure that, you know, in the face of the impacts of, Sea level rise and uh, natural disasters that are becoming more frequent to our islands. I mean, on my add to that, I mean that of course we have those challenges, and there's other people that want to help us to meet those challenges. I mean, one of the one of the challenges that we have just had to get through was, unfortunately, Huawei was the core network of our mobile system. Uh, it was cheap. It was a good program, so we put in our system now we've had to try to take it out and uh uh you know and and, you know through the help of a grant through uh uh the u.s we're going to take out the core but those that's just that's just an example of things that we have going on that that create security risk we also have we have an issue of uh, uh human trafficking and also what do you call uh online gaming there was a huge influx of online gamers in Palau about a year ago, uh, before pre-COVID, and uh, there was a lot of uh, activity that was going on that was questionable. But so these are, you know, these are things that are going on all the time. There was even proposals. You know, we're a small island, uh, but we're still the biggest island outside of Guam in the Western Pacific, and there was a proposal by a group from uh, China. That they wanted two square kilometers to build a basically uh they call it a call center. Ten thousand people move into Palau. Don't worry, we'll give you this massive amount of rent. You take 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 care of everything. You won't even know we're here. And uh, those do, and you know it's, you know when, when those offers come around, it it's tempting for our leaders because when you have lots of bills to pay and you have. Uh, challenges? you say, wow, that's a great opportunity. Why not just do that? But with a population of 18,000 people, and all, already with uh, uh, 40% of them foreigners, maybe from the Philippines, Bangladesh, and China, uh, that would make Palauan suddenly a small minority. And uh, it could be, you know, it's, it's a, a huge security risk of you, you know so we we do have our challenges and we've got to, we, we've got to really uh, uh, work them and figure out ways that we are economically resilient and and uh, uh, really uh, 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 turn a path forward that that, that makes Palau strong yeah. so stronger Palau I think is, is a more secure Pacific I think. <laughs>
0: No, 100 percent, sir. And and the the core of Palau's security ha- has long rested on the compact of free association with the United States. And uh, when you visited Washington recently, I know that was a, a the renewal of those compacts um, was was a major topic of discussion uh, for you and, and senior officials in the Biden administration. Can, can you talk a little bit about What you see as the path forward for for the compacts going forward and and how you see uh, renewal and the prospects of of getting that done in the near future?
1: Well, you know, one of the things I I really emphasized when I was there was that if you look at Palau over the since we cut the compact and that's 1994 till now, uh, 40 percent of our population has moved to the U.S. It's been replaced with foreigners. Uh, why have they moved to the U.S.? Why have they moved to Guam and Hawaii? Well, it's economic opportunity. It's, um, you know, uh, a good standard of living. So I think the biggest challenge we have going forward is how do we put Palau in the same position as Guam and Hawaii economically so that the people will stay uh, in in, in Palau? And I think that's important for... uh, uh, keeping it palau but also as a, as a security risk and, and so really what uh, the opportunity to come to washington and meet with uh the people there is just to share the concerns and the risk and most importantly uh renew that uh, partnership and strengthen it you know we we hear what the uh what our uh, what our friends from the defense department and from the state department say how important our relationship is however you know when you look at the compact and uh, you know i go back when i was uh, uh, in high school when the compact was going through and in palau it took seven different referendum to get it passed one of the main issues uh well there's three main issues one was the nuclear provision the other one is Palau's really didn't want uh Defense back you know military back in Palau because we was just gone through World War II, and then the third and the bigger bigger issue was the economic package which we felt at the time was not it was not we did not test Palau, Palau on the path right path forward. Well, we've had the review at the fifteenth year, uh, and now it's the opportunity to have the review at the thirtieth year. But unlike I think the other freely associated states. Palau has a a perpetual agreement with the United States when it comes to giving the rights to the United States for uh, security and defense. And, and, and that way, uh, because it's perpetual, I think, you know, the United States needs to look at Palau a little bit differently. Uh, and I think more like it looks at Guam and Hawaii as far as making sure that its economy is resilient and it has, you know, it's, it's, it's in a good position. And so, When we're reviewing the economic assistance, uh, I made it very clear in Washington that what was what was put on the table was not acceptable. It would put Palau in a position economically that would send it backwards, and I don't think that's what anybody wants. Because if we go backwards, the threat uh, of us going the wrong direction is there, Uh, and I I think I made that very clear in Washington. and I just, you know, gave some examples of of activities that are going on that are security risks that we should all be aware of. And, and you know, I encourage you as investment to come to Palau. Uh, you know, if you if you have a branch in Hong Kong, if I have a branch in Hong Kong, put it in Palau. Or, you know, why have it in Singapore? Have it in Palau. So we need private sector. We need the government to look at it. We We need to, you know and also partnering with the defense department to make sure that we build up infrastructure that we can jointly use to really build a solid foundation and put Palau on the right path going forward. Because I think if Palau is economically strong, it, 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 it only enhances the security uh, of Palau. So um, that was, I think, my message to Washington and I hope that uh, uh, we can work together and in uh to come to some uh, agreement that it's a win-win, uh, and not a lopsided uh, agreement. So uh, it, was, it was good to meet everyone while I was there. Uh, Secretary Blinken and Secretary Holland and, and Secretary Austin and, and the rest of the people in Washington. I, was, I think the meetings were fruitful and uh, hope that uh, uh, we can really look at this relationship seriously like i said it's perpetual so we shouldn't every now and every 15 years come back and say well shouldn't we have that federal program or shouldn't we it should be an automatic this relationship is long term those federal programs need to continue health care education they're important to us let's make sure we have access to them social services um you know the post office all those things that uh that we've had access to before uh, should continue. And, uh, we shouldn't have to, every time go back and say, well, uh, do we really need it or not? Or maybe we don't really need it. I, you know, that's sometimes the message that gets back all the way over here. And uh, and I don't know if you know, but our last agreement took eight years before it was passed by Congress. Right. Uh, I think we need that. And, 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 you know, for, for, for people in Palau, um, the general impression is that Washington is way over there, and they've forgotten about it sometimes. And that's a dangerous position to be in. So you need to get that message that, you know, we're sincere, we want to work with us. And I think at some point you need somebody from the White House, you know, kind of a, at the level of an ambassador that they used to have before uh, negotiating this. So it's whole of government looking at it, not just uh, two agencies, interior and state, but all of government looking at this and, and see how we can really uh, work together to,
0: uh, to a solid plan that we all want. So. Yeah. And Mr. President, in addition to the compacts, one of the areas that I know was discussed uh, very heavily when you were in Washington um, was your leadership on the question of the, the future of the Pacific Islands Forum. And uh, for our listeners who aren't following it closely, Essentially, the, under with a lot of uh, leadership from from you and from Palau, a decision was made earlier this year for the Micronesian states of the North Pacific to uh, to leave the Pacific Islands Forum, which is the the principal regional uh, multilateral uh, forum of the Pacific Islands. And you know, your rationale for that, um, I think, has, has been a very interesting thing. To When I've, I've listened to you talk about it and I've read your, your comments, I'd love to hear more about, one, what you're your thinking in leaving the PIF and what you think the prospects are for the PIF and for Pacific multilateralism going forward. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I think in any organization,
1: uh, it success requires – people feeling part of it and feeling inclusive. Uh, you know, the forum when it first began was a South Pacific Forum. Uh, and then they later added on the North Pacific. One of the uh, uh, kind of hallmarks or what was, has been discussed over the years is that we should rotate the Secretary General's position between the island groups. So there's Micronesia, Polynesia, and Melanesia. And in 2014, I know this because it was happening in Palau. It was supposed to be Micronesia's turn, but at that time, uh, they said, "Well, uh, Palau, the Micronesian candidate's uh, nomination was late coming in, so let's set it aside." And uh, Palau uh, and Palau they agreed that. We're gonna let Melanesia take it, but in 2020, it's gonna go back to Micronesia. That was the understanding. That was a gentleman's agreement. I think everybody knew that. Um, Unfortunately, of course, you can use the excuse there's been change in leadership, but I think, unfortunately, what's happened is uh, that's just been an excuse, really, to keep Micronesia's candidate from taking the position. Uh, Micronesia's candidate this time around was submitted his application way ahead of time, did everything that was required, and yet they made exceptions because of majority rules. They made exceptions, allowed the current uh, person in, and you know, really, I think, was a slap in the face of Micronesia as to how the whole process unfolded, and, and it really broke down the trust, I think, most importantly. The trust that we have for our, our, our other Pacific allies in this whole process, uh, because it became about self-interest. It was no longer about keeping the Pacific together. It was about self-interest. We said from the beginning, let's not have multiple candidates. It's Micronesia's turn. We put up a candidate. Let's keep the Pacific together. If you submit a bunch of candidates, we're going to divide the Pacific. Well. That's what they decided to do. Majority rules, that's what they decided. One of the issues that we have is, you know, it is the Pacific Island Forum. However, we have French Polynesia that's part of it. A New Caledonia that's part of it. Their territories of France. They're not independent countries. So one of the issues I've said raised is, why don't we include Guam? Why don't we include uh, CNMI? Why don't we include Hawaii? They're also Pacific Islands. Uh, you know, if we want to have uh, talk about the whole Pacific, they're part of the Pacific. So maybe we need to look at the Pacific Forum differently. But I think most importantly, I think we've made it very clear that our Micronesian, uh, uh, our Micronesia as a whole, it has already all submitted their documents to leave the Forum. Uh, all their, you know, we're all united on this and, and made it very clear that uh if if you want us back in the forum, Micronesia's candidate needs to be Secretary General. And that's that's basically what we've told them. Uh they continue to ignore us and we said, Well that's fine. Micronesia has its own Micronesian forum and we'll just continue as we are as another entity. I mean I think that's the direction we're headed. But you know this is also an opportunity. The US has uh another uh Uh, Pacific uh, Island, uh, it's called the Pickle, uh, uh, Conference of Leaders. And and it's um, an organization that actually includes Hawaii, Guam, and Saipan. So maybe that's the organization that we should use uh, for the Pacific going forward because maybe it's more inclusive and brings everybody together. Uh, Because if we're going to play these games where, oh, it's going to be about voting, and the majority rules, and then we're going to try to stack the deck in our favor. Because, as you know, New Caledonia and French Polynesia came in within the last six years. So, uh, you know, those, those, so if some of those members weren't in, or some of the other bigger countries didn't participate like they said they weren't going to participate, and the, the islands all got together and voted, the result would have been different. But when he stacked the deck. That's what happened, and it was a matter of one boat, and uh, basically it split the Pacific. So that's where we are today, and it's an unfortunate situation. But I think we've uh, uh, Micronesia has made its uh, position very clear uh, to the forum and to our our, our partners down in the Pacific. We're not we're not we're not we're not uh, uh, Pacific Islanders and We're still Pacific Islanders. We still uh, share the same issues of climate change and and global issues. We still share them, but the forum needs to be reformed. And uh, I don't think there's any way that micro is going back unless they have a major change. So. Well, that's where we are on the forum.
0: Well, Mr. President, you've been very generous with your time. I think before uh, before I let you go, I'd, I'd just ask if you have any final thoughts for uh, for our listeners. On broader security issues in the region, on Palau's relationship with Taiwan, um, or anything that you think Americans should know about the important role that that Palau plays in the Indo-Pacific, and and what what should an American listening to this who's not familiar with your country and should be familiar what what should they take away from from what you're what you're seeing in Palau?
1: Well, you know. Back during World War II, uh, the Japanese fortified Palau. They fortified Palau because of Palau's location. Um, they were they fortified them all the way down to our small islands that are 300 miles away from us. Um, because of Palau's location, with fur- further and westernmost, uh, we call you know as Defense Department says part of the homeland and. And because of that, you know, Palau has some advantages. We have a large landmass. We actually have three uh, airports that were built back during the Japanese time that are they can be easily rehabilitated uh, there and, and, and access to do even more. Uh, we have a large lagoon. We have uh, possibilities of deep seawater ports. So there's there's opportunities that we can partner. And and I think that benefits both countries, um, the United States and Palau, uh, in keeping both our countries secure and safe, and at the same time uh, being economically strong. Uh, and I think that goes along the lines of making sure that we have a free and open Indo-Pacific, where our values of freedom and democracy uh, really reign true and then we can set an example to the world of what uh that should be and you know i i I just encourage u.s investment uh to come out to palau uh you know one of the ideas that we had was why can't we invite uh uh, mr musk to come to palau and take over our whole power grip and power grid and use it as an example of uh, combating climate change and 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 being a 100 percent renewable and demonstrate they can work and use it to demonstrate to the world how we can partner uh with the u.s and u.s companies to show the world that we can combat climate change and we can do it economically uh in a viable way and and really uh, uh demonstrate to the world our successes just like the success we've had with uh vaccinating our people Uh, And that's through partnership. Uh, We were so so fortunate to be part of Operation Warp Speed. We were able to get uh, the vaccines. And as of last week, 83% of our total population has been vaccinated. Uh, So really only the uh, children now under the age of 12 uh, haven't been vaccinated. So uh, we've we've been able to uh, begin letting people back to Palau. And uh, that's important for us to get our tourism back on track. But uh, like the challenge that we have with COVID, we also need to get together and and battle climate change. Palau is hosting our Ocean Conference this coming uh, uh, February, February uh, 16 and 17, 2022. And once again, an opportunity to come and, and, and see it for the world to see the impact of climate change in a small country, from typhoons, the sea level rise, the coral bleaching, and all the impacts that we suffer as small islands uh, and how we can work together uh, with it, with climate resilience and climate mitigation. So, uh, you know, I think all of those uh, lead into making sure that we're economically secure and uh, defensively secure going forward. So. I uh, just thank you for the opportunity, and, and thank you for the listeners that are out there. Uh, Palau and the United States share a great partnership, and it uh, can only get better. Uh, and I think that's why we have these reviews. It's an opportunity to get it on the table and talk about them and see how we can put the best foot forward and that we can all uh, work together for a better tomorrow.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. We're, we're honored to have you on the on the program. And uh, thank you for your leadership. And we look forward to talking to you again soon.